Last week uh, in the message, we talked about the, some very practical ways that we can grow deeper in our relationship with God. And I gave you some very specific ideas on how to carve out this past week a, a prayer time, a Bible reading time. And I'm hoping that you took advantage of that and you made some space to deepen your relationship with God this week. Now, if you didn't instantly doing that practice feel like you were in a very deep relationship with God, just remember your relationship with him is like any other relationship that you have in life. It's going to take time, it's gonna take investment, and it's gonna take uh, just some energy on your part uh, to engage deeply with God and to learn what that rhythm looks like for you. But it's worth it because, as I said last week, I don't think there's anything else that we do in our walk with God, any two practices that we could actually do and see our relationship with God grow more. I think this stretch that we've been in for a few weeks now, and it looks like it's gonna be six to eight weeks at least before it ends, this sheltering in place. I think if it's taught us anything in this time period already, it's that we weren't created to do life in isolation. This is not the kind of life that God hardwired us to live. We're hardwired by God to live our lives and live out our faith connected deeply to other people in community. Our times alone with God are important, but they're not enough. And even when we add on to that, the time that we spend in our worship gatherings on Sunday morning are not enough. Those two things together, our quiet time and those worship times, will help us understand how we need to grow and where we need to grow. But there's another element that we need in terms of connection in order for us to begin to measure and understand, are we actually growing in our relationship with God? We need people who love us enough to give us honest feedback on how we're doing. I'm convinced that our relationship with God actually requires three very specific types of engagement on our part. I think the first that we need is spiritual experiences. That would be things like Sunday morning. They would be some of the men's and women's retreats that we've had at Westridge, the IF gathering for the women. There are a number of things we do around the church and are available, honestly, all over the country for you to engage in that are spiritual experiences that sometimes will give us quantum leaps in our understanding of who God is and how we live our Christian life. I think the second thing that we need after spiritual experiences is spiritual exercises. That's why you'll hear me and Darren and Lance and Danielle continually coming back to this idea of a daily quiet time or a consistent regular quiet time, a time to pray as well and build your relationship with God. But that's just the top two exercises that produce growth. There are literally dozens of others that we can engage in in order to help our relationship with God grow. Beyond those two, there is one more category that I'll just simply call spiritual relationships. And as I talk with people about their journey with Christ, I have to say this is the one that most often gets neglected or even ignored. If you read through the Gospels, though, you'll find that Jesus made time for each one of these things in his life. He made time to go to the synagogue. He was raised in the Jewish faith. He made time to go to the synagogue to practice his faith and to worship with other believers. He also carved out time in his life to just be alone with God and have spiritual experiences like solitude and prayer. But you can't read the Gospels and miss the idea that Jesus also placed a high value on deepening his relationship with people. 
in various size group gatherings, but specifically in the group of 12 men that he called to be his disciples and to follow him. And as they spent time together in spiritual relationships, they also forged very deep friendships. Of those three, the spiritual relationships, as I said, is the one that I often see us missing out on the most as believers. It is that idea of doing life regularly, consistently with people who are authentic, who are transparent about their walk with God. And they're talking on a regular basis about what it really means to live out our faith, our life following Jesus. Now, when I start to talk to people about getting involved in some kind of a deeper relationship in community with other believers, I consistently get the same questions. They all boil down to one really key question, and that is, if I invest the time and the energy with my schedule so full and so busy, my family around me, if I invest that time, what is the value add for me to my life and to my faith? And that's what I want to talk with you about this morning as we consider how to connect deeply with others. And just to say, here are the benefits, the top four that I would say are the benefits of connecting deeply in community with other believers. First among those is the idea that in community, we get honest feedback, honest input from people who are invested in our future. Over time, what happens in a group is that we learn to love each other. And I think everybody who's ever entered into a community group has done so with people they think they love. And they think they love them because they think they know them. But more often than not, what I see is we get in a group of people that we think we love, that we think we could have a relationship with, and then we start to discover the backstory about their life, where they've been, the decisions they've made, the values they hold in life. And that's when we really learn to love each other through our differences, in spite of our differences. We understand that it's the people and the circumstances in our life that's brought us to where we are today. And once people begin to know our story, once people begin to believe in and pray the best for us, then we find that we're in the kind of a relationship where they can give us wisdom about the direction of our life. They can give us sound advice when we ask them to provide that to us. And they can even give it to us in times when we don't really feel like we're open to it, but they can see we need it. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 describes that kind of community with these words. Paul writes and says, Over time we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. As we learn to speak the truth in love, in community, we're becoming more and more like Christ. Now, that's what we need in our lives, I'm convinced. Just as I watch my own life, I need people speaking the truth to me in love. But I'm also keenly aware in any relationship, and even in biblical community, we don't always get that balance right. We don't get it uh, like standing on the razor's edge that is the perfect balance between love and truth. You know, as you hear that, which one you are. If you're more of a truth person that'll just tell it like it is, let chips fall where they may, or if you're more of a person who is loving and feel like the whole truth might hurt the person, and I'm not sure I want to go there. 
But here's what happens as we learn each other's backstory, as we learn each other's values, as we share, we can work through any of the misbalance that's there, the imbalance that's there, when we talk to each other about what's going on in our lives. We live then in this honest, loving community that never gets it perfect, but always forgives and moves forward. And that kind of a community has the power to change not just my relationship with those people, but the relationships in all other aspects of my life. That's a huge value of community for me. Secondly, I'd say that in community, we get to place to vent without judgment or without shame. So let me just ask you to think about this. In your life this morning, when you hit a rough patch with your kids, with your job, with your spouse, when you hit a rough patch in your relationship with God, who is the person, who are the people that you feel like you can talk to without being shamed or judged? Who are the people you can talk to where you know that whatever you share with them won't leave that conversation. It won't show up on social media as soon as they leave your presence. True community offers us a place to open up and share when we're hurt, when we're in pain, when we're frustrated, when we're doing really well, when we have some kind of a milestone achievement in our life. It lets us share all of those things in our life. And we can say it to people we're in deep community with because we know they're not going to try to fix us. They're not going to get weirded out when our life gets messy or when our walk with Jesus gets messy. We need people in our lives. I need them. I know that you need them who will simply be with us, who will listen well, people who will ask really good questions. People who in the midst of our worst moments are willing to just sit with us and pray with us. And when it's really bad and we don't even feel like we can talk to God, they will pray for us. And I'll just be honest, I seldom find those kind of people unless I'm engaged in deep community with others. The third benefit I find is that in community, we know we have someone in the bleachers cheering us on. You know, it seems like it was years ago, and it probably was just about three weeks ago, that I was having lunch with Rob Burheit. We were talking about this crazy um, idea that was floating around in college and major league sports that they might actually come to a place with the coronavirus where they would play their games in front of an empty stadium, an empty arena. We just talked a little bit, not a long time, but we were talking a little bit about how weird that would be to be one of those athletes who had always played in front of thousands of people and all of a sudden now you make the basket that wins the game and there's nothing, no noise. What would that be like? We thought that, that actually would probably be the worst possible situation would be just to to do games that way. And, and of course, a couple of days later, we found out that all the major leagues, college and pro, had canceled the games. Not just said we're going to play them without fans, but we're going to cancel them all together. And we realized there actually was something much worse than an empty stadium. You know, we need people cheering for us in our lives. 
We need people who, who are there in the toughest times and even in the best of times in our lives. Those people cheering for us make those events dramatically different than if we walked through them alone. We need friends who will embrace us and celebrate with us when we win. We need friends who will grieve with us, who will encourage us when we lose. We need the kind of friends who will call us up in this crisis and simply check in on us and ask, how are you doing? And those kinds of deep friendships are the ones that are not okay with you just saying, fine. Because I don't know that we really are doing fine in every aspect right now. We need people like that in our lives. Yes, even introverts like me and those of you who fall in that same category, we need those people in our lives. Those people cheering for us in the bleachers give us the courage to take one more step, one more day to carry on in life. Let me just offer one more benefit. I really do believe that it's in community that we learn that life is not just about us. Here's what I mean by that. I firmly believe that there are people in our community who need you, who need your life experiences, who need your thoughts, your questions, your encouragement. They need you to be that honest input in their life. They need you to be that listening ear. They need you to be the one who's cheering them on when life gets tough. They need you as much as you need them. And when we hold back from engaging in a deep level of community, a deep level of relationships with people, what we risk is in that moment where we withdraw or we refuse to become involved, what we risk is withholding the very thing they need to make it through. That may be why God has you in their life. It may be that you're the one who offers a question that causes them to think differently about their circumstances. It may be that you're the one who could offer them a word of encouragement that would keep them in the game. It may be that you're the one who just simply sits with them and says, hey, it's okay, you're not weird. You're not in this alone. I've gone through the same thing and we'll get through this together. We need that kind of encouragement on our journey, every single one of us, to help us stay in the game. And we need other people in our lives who are willing to take the risks and join community in deep ways to help us in our journey. We need each other to make it through this life with our faith intact. Now, the only way I really could come up with to think of how to explain this interplay of these three things with you and the importance that community plays is I thought back to school, high school, college, and I'm gonna guess that you, are one of those people like me who somewhere in college or high school took chemistry. And if you did, you know that in a chemistry class, there are actually two key components of what happens in terms of instruction. The first is you get classroom time where you are taught, you get lectures, you have readings that you do. You gather all of this information. And the truth is you can gather all the information you want and all the information you need. That's the stuff that tells you how to do the experiments, 
how to do the work that's ahead of you. Because the second part of a good chemistry class is the lab. And when you go into the lab, that's when you learn if you can actually do what you've learned. I would tell you that community, deep levels of community is much the same. In the New Testament alone, there are 59 unique commandments that all contain the phrase, one another. You can't do those commands alone. They demand community. They demand deeper relationships. Some of those commands are love one another deeply. Don't or forgive one another. It is forgive, not don't forgive. Forgive one another. And then don't grumble against each other. Those, actually, those three I picked because they're three of the easiest ones in the list. Now, it's easy for me, and I've thought about this all week, it's easy for me to believe that I am a loving person in every circumstance. It's easy for me to believe that I don't grumble and complain about other people. It's easy for me to believe that when forgiveness is needed, I'm the kind of person who forgives freely and quickly and easily. But I can't test those ideas when I'm alone. I can't test the hypothesis that I'm a loving person until I'm engaged in deep relationships with other people. And I believe that community is the laboratory where we learn if we can live out what it is that we claim we believe as we follow Jesus. Community is the best place to find people who love me and love you enough to give me the honest feedback on how I'm doing with these one another commands. Now, I want to offer you this morning just a couple of simple steps to move into deeper levels of community. And I hope that you'll pick one of the two steps, depending on where you are right now. First, I know that many of you at Westridge are already in community. You've already established a group. You've already established a breakfast or a lunch or a dinner meeting where you get together and you talk about life deeply. If that's your group and you're a part of it, what I would encourage each of you to do is the next time you're talking, whether it's a, a Zoom call, whether it's just a phone call where you're chatting together as a group, whatever the circumstance is in this weird time that we're living in, when you connect with your group, ask yourself two questions. Think back through these four ideas, the benefits of community, and ask yourself two simple questions as a group. One, how are we doing well in these? What's one of these that we're doing really, really well? And secondly, what's one that we could improve in? Now, if you're sitting here this morning and you're not in a community group, I have an exercise for you as well to do. Here's a great place to begin. I would simply ask you to pray this simple prayer. God, who could I be in community with? It's a very simple prayer. And when you pray this prayer, I'd encourage you to pray it multiple times a day for the next week. Just simple, one-sentence prayer. And then listen all throughout your day. Here's what I know, because I've done this exercise multiple times in my life when I was not in community and wanted to be. God brought the names of people to mind for me that I could be in community with. And so I'm going to ask you to be very practical and tactical with this. I want you to do it old school style. Even those of you who are really techie, 
I want you to take a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil, and I want you to start writing names down on the list. And then fasten this list somewhere in your home where you're going to see it really often. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Make this list. And here's why I want you to do this as a paper list, is when you look at this list, I want you to add names to the list every time you think of them. But what's also going to happen is over this week, you're going to write down a name and a few days later go, yeah, that one's not a good idea. And you'll scratch that name off. It gives you the chance to really think through, work through with God who you'd like to be in community with. And when you feel like the list is pretty settled, when you're excited about the list, then I would encourage you to just make a phone call. Send an email if you need to. Just to ask those people one at a time to think about it. Just say, hey, I'm doing what Greg asked us to do on April 5th. And I'm just following up because you're one of the people I would love to be in community with. See where it goes. Now, when you do that, I'm not going to worry. Not, I would ask you not to worry about what the study would be or how often you would meet. You're trying to just establish who you'd like to be in community with. When you get ready to do all those other details, if you need help, Wally or I would be more than grateful to help you figure out how to launch a community group in this period of time. I am convinced that we need these types of relationships, these spiritual relationships in our life. We need to be deeply connected to others. We need it for one simple reason. We need it because community is the place where disfigured hearts are restored by grace. You know, what we're living through in these days it gives us a chance to, in some sense, recalibrate what's important in life, recalibrate where we invest those blocks of time that are open in our daily and weekly and monthly calendars. My hope and prayer for us as a church, for you and your family, is this, that when we look back on this time period, six months or six years from now, that yes, we'll remember what it was like to live quarantined in our homes, to be socially distant. But what we'll also remember and what would take preeminence over every other memory is that in these days, we would figure out together how we can connect more deeply with God and more deeply with others. I pray that that will be the lasting memory for you and for me in the future. Can I just pray about that? you right now. God, we're so grateful that you are hungry and you crave a relationship with us as your children and that you've wired us so that we would crave relationships with others. And now I pray, God, that you would guide every one of us in the coming days to, to recalibrate on both of those, how we would invest our lives in a deep relationship with you and a deep relationship with others. God, by your Holy Spirit, by the words we read in Scripture, as you speak to us in our prayers, guide us, direct us, lead us, and give us hearts that are willing to follow. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.